So without further ado, and with a little bit of fuckity fuckity cunt as a as a non-broadcast friendly introduction, this is apparently dated delinquents. I'm Andrew Bolster, and that other A over there is I'm Austin. Go on, Simon. You're the guest. <laughs> I'm Simon. He's the guest. Uh, who the hell are you then? I don't know. <laughs> He's Jason. Oh yeah. Oh, thanks for that. I remember He's... now. He's still Jason. No, 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 not, not still Jason. Sparkling Jason. Oh, sparkling Jason. That's lovely. So, as you probably already Andrew, Mr. Bolster, whose urine sample is that you're drinking? That that is that is wonderful, crisp orange and pineapple Maiwadi. Other other flavors and brands are available. Is it Maiwadi or Miwadi or? Uh, if, if we give it another couple of years and see how much the Tories fuck it up, it's going to be UI Waddy. But <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there'll be a talk on UX Waddy at some point. Oh God, no, no. We, we, the the fewer UX talks, we, the better. You noticed how Simon's now regretting agreeing to this. You see that look in his eye going. Do I want my name associated with this? <laughs> I'm just trying to work out when I can go for, you know, other brands are available. <laughs> we can burn this out, right? Oh, we'll fix it in post. That's um, always the answer. We, we, never we can, in post. Yeah, we, we, can, we can correct all of the, the, you know, image classification biases by, like, adding a weighting factor at the end. What could possibly go wrong? Can you tidy up behind me as well? <laughs> Don't know. Zoom probably can actually, if we're going to like leverage the technology on a technology podcast such as it is. Other other broadcasting and meeting based platforms are available. That is true. Are too many, but yeah. So, I mean, how's everyone been going? It's been a little bit of a time since we've, we've had this this glorious meeting of minds, Simon. So, how's everyone been doing? Any drama in anyone's lives? Any? wonderful stories that they can bring to you know have some cynicism about i moved house which as you can see i now have a different room behind me and also i have internet that works so that's quite yeah. cool. i had internet that was that is now working as well it's almost like that 20 years of sustained development and then and funding that went into all grand broadband projects might have actually paid off. Are we having to begrudgingly say that? No, no, no. What happened was Kelvin came and knocked on my door <laughs> and, and said, I've got this big fiber line about this size. Do you want to plug it in the shed? So I said, yeah. Really good. Oh, 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 so you're the reason why it, for some reason, landed in, in Derry instead of uh, Portrush, was it? Was it that one? No, I can't remember which way around it was. No, it landed in Portrush. Oh, don't. This is this is a whole conversation. I don't want to get into because <laughs> it's too funny. It's a it, porta. It's a portaloo. It's all it is is a portaloo. I won't tell it, you where. Seriously, that's it. They, they didn't see. I, I had this sort of magical dreamland in my head that what they'd actually done is that they'd run it down through the harbour and put it up the RNLI lifeboat ramp. That's how they brought it on shore. But no, uh, yeah, no, no. So it's it's down at the strand near the toilets. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what else is there down there? <laughs> um, it's a lot of greenery um, and, and a good view of Barry's no longer operational. Not for sale, apparently. 
2.7 million, apparently. Is that all? Kalos could buy it. I was no, can't do it. Can't do it. Go on, do it. I've had enough of a roller coaster over the past couple of years. Oh, standing ovation! If I could be mm. bothered. Oh, Simon's moved house. While well, we'll be <laughs> just, just, just wild. That seems to be that, that seems to be the style of the time. So, Simon, what do you do? What do I do? Really, really, what do you do? Yeah, back-end stuff. I, I, I am the total imposter here because, you know, the only way I see data is as it's flying past. But, uh, yeah, just just go never stuff, say, primarily. Never say back-end stuff out of hours. <laughs> Andrew gets... It can go any direction. You know. No, no, be careful, because if you say it too loudly, the recruiters in other time zones will hear you, and, and they'll just come on. So. I, I, I see you, GitHub. <laughs> but did anyone see that story, actually, of some recruitment firm having a bot that managed to accidentally try hire other GitHub bots because of their contributions on other projects? And the, the maintainer of the bot, I can't remember what name of the bot was, but it was one of those depend upon CICD, you know, assistant things. And it was basically running straight off the metric of, oh, you've got loads of commits on really cool projects. So I'm going to email your contributor email to see if you want to have a job with this really awkwardly full personalized email. It's literally that, that proper ginger tip templating style of, Dear bot, it's really good to see you so active in the open source community, that kind of junk. So I mean, it, 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 it does this mean that it's the end of being harassed by recruiters at every meetup and that that is now a harassment as a service? So. so the singularity is just basically Dependabot on GitHub running the globe. Why not? That's basically it, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Like this is an, any sufficiently advanced AI is indistinguishable from a lot of flowcharts. Yeah. This does remind me of the T-shirt that uh, the sysadmin, uh, sysadmin in our place sent to me, which is a "I shall replace you with a very small shell script." <laughs> or, or you know, Ansible puppet chef other other provisioning things are available oh no my go-to one is will replace you with a small lambda function unfortunately that doesn't work as well anymore because we're i'm now in an azure house so i have to say other, i will replace you with a small logic function app which just doesn't have the same no, ring no 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 other no. other functions and services available but they're all <laughs> shit games so come 2034 AI conf is just going to be in the Europa and you open the main doors into the main hall and there'll just be a Raspberry Pi in the middle and that'll be it. <laughs> Either that or a room full of Alexas. room full of Alexas <laughs> just talking to each other. Somebody kicks off the first one and then it'll just trigger all the rest. See, I, I'm glorious, still glorious Alexa symphony. <laughs> I'd go to that talk. <laughs> 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 it's FX Twins next single. Oh fuck me! No, I had something, but I've completely forgotten about it. But I mean, is is maybe the better replacement argument there actually that 
we don't actually need to have the executive in place. We just have each party put together its own little chat bot. So it's kind of like, yes, we could do robot wars in, in, in the front of Stormont. Like each party is allowed to designate whichever robot wars competitors it wants to send in. And, you know, whoever comes out is, you know, or the first two out are OFM, DFM. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not- just get, get a bracket going. Yeah, that's, yeah, all I can think of is the episode of Spaced. You know, the first rule of Robot Fighting Club is you do not talk about Robot Fighting Club. Second rule of Robot Fighting Club, no smoking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, the, the US one that started up again, it's actually it's like a fifth season of recent year, the BattleBots, which has some extremely brutal things on it. It's uh, definitely worth a watch if you can find it. That that seems like the kind of thing that we might be able to like very quickly pull up some kind of YouTube analogy through. It was definitely one of the things I, you know, you're you're talking about projects at Farset. Robot Wars was definitely one of the ones I was very much interested in getting started. So this is very much along the same vein as the good old fashioned traditional Battlebots, I mean, or sorry, Robot Wars. I mean, is it yep. really Robot Wars without Craig Charles? I don't know. It is like an international competition. So the, the guy that flicked up there, I think he's from Brazil. So there's an Australian, there's a, there's a British team in it as well. Who, they have so, a hammer robot, not that one, but a different one. I, I do have great levels of nostalgia for that particular generation. Whenever the BBC properly just threw a quarter of its budget into just making an arena of death for tin pots, and it, it was just. <laughs> I was going to say, is that an INI pitching session? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the BBC, because of the budget cuts, they are remaking it again, but it's going to be less extravagant. It's called Chatbot Wars. You're arguing with itself endlessly. <laughs> I'll pay uh, to see that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple of people that have that out as either. Well, I mean, maybe that's what Freenode's doing for the next 10 years is just like. Pumping up numbers. Has everyone seen the, the complete debacle at Freenode? Where like yeah, one of the, all, the, all, the, all the accounts got dropped and all the channels got dropped with it. Yeah, so it's been a long and on-running saga, but for the, the, the one person other than me that's listening, the, you know, Freenode used to be the almost the centre of the IRC universe. So IRC, Internet Relay Chat, think about it as Slack with less colours. No, no emojis, no reactions, although you could get very creative with some of the punctuation to make something look like emojis. But this was a system that survived for decades and had been maintained by a fairly collaborative collective of people. But much like many open source projects and open source systems, there was base maintenance costs in terms of running things like the domain names and all these kind of things where you have to have some level of organization to just manage the boring bits, not the day-to-day operational bits. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but there's a, is he Saudi Arabian or, or Dubai based investor? It's the, the King family fund or something like that. Mm-hmm. bought up that operational man or the, the the administrative management entity and then basically decided that they were going to not just kick off all of the moderators but also f- almost do a hard fork of what services were operating within freenode literally to host the protocol so that basically meant that depending on what 
bit of the round robin that you connected to, or if you had a previous shortcut to how you access that free node node, you could be in a completely different IRC universe without ever really knowing it. And then at the same time, because these were all effectively genuinely novel channels, you have the major distribution and support points for significant projects like the Debian project, although I think they moved off a while back. But like, most open source projects have, have had for years as their primary source of real-time support as being jump onto our IRC room that's generally on Freenode or self-hosted. So the fallout has been entertaining so i mean what what other sacred cows are are, are going to be next on the the nostalgia death list because we already had the death of an awful lot of mail serves being taken over by google groups and then google doing its typical thing of half implementing something for cool and then deciding to look at the other shiny thing so what what's next i mean when are they going to come for our email addresses flack in five years there you go i said it so how, how do you, well, I, I think I know the answer to this, but how do you make Slack worse? Let me chew on chicken and I'll come back to you with an answer. <laughs> well, I, I will, I will then posit my own conclusion on that one. It's a, a, an office friendly discord that fills my heart with dread. Just this, the, oh, we're going to have open audio chat rooms where you're going to hear everybody breathing down your neck, much like this call, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I, <clears throat> I knew of a few people who started setting up Discord servers to kind of hang out together during the day while working. And I just, I mean, considering I spent my entire life on Teams and Zoom calls, the idea of actually having a constantly open audio thing in the background just sounds like my worst nightmare. I don't know why anyone would do it, but I'm old and grumpy. And I'm older and grumpier. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is a hierarchy to all of this, Austin. You it's are true. second. I am second yes. and older. Um, you know, <clears throat> we don't we don't drink the blood of startup victims for nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the VC tears. <laughs> why are they that colour? Why and where are they bleeding well, from? Well, well, I mean, I mean, you've heard of blood diamonds, so it's just inevitable that there's blood startups. So, so uh, Discord, I like Discord. I don't like the way it's going. And and kind, yeah, the whole industry is now starting to look at it and go, oh yeah, something else. I got a clubhouse invite and I joined up and never used it. I also joined and never used it, and I just get. 500 notifications a day of some people are talking around about shit that you don't care about and I haven't got around to uninstalling it yet but I think I listened to like one conversation for five minutes because Lex Friedman was in it and mm. it was irrelevant actually twice and one time it was in Russian so I didn't really get a lot of it I don't know Russian either not a word no oh don't, don't worry they were just putting you on did they let you in because you got the beard yeah mm. <laughs> But, so here, no. here's the scary bit with the Slack bit. So Discord can still manage to pretend that it's a disruptor, even though it's now you know old enough to participate in its own platform. But an IRC is dead in the water, unfortunately, because of various different things going on. But Slack was at that strange startup crystallization stage where they stopped doing anything interesting. And then they got bought for, I've just looked it up, 27 billion from Salesforce. 
And Salesforce have then recently turned around and said, we are going to pivot our entire business model to be Slack first. I'm going, what? that, that that's, seems horrifying. That's not, the, that's not the first time Slack have said something like that and then failed dismally at it. I think it might have been bought by Salesforce. So Slack confuses me. It's business, it's business model confuses me because this free 10,000 line thing is all very well, but it doesn't delete after 10,000 lines. It still keeps on going, which means their storage costs just exponentially increase while people aren't buying. And then only a small percentage of people buy and get all the data back. So what, what the hell goes on with all the rest of the data? The more people Ten. sign, the more people sign up, the more storage they use, the more they pay for it. Yeah. And they're making the money. The, the, the more people sign up, the, the bigger their data set gets. I mean, most um, of it's nonsense, but, you know, it's still, in theory, human I'm, I'm going. I'm going for a cup of tea. Yes. Most that, of it is nonsense. Is that not just everything thing that exists on social media? I mean, it's just... Uh, endless what, what, I mean, which, which fool would actually say that they're going to have a cup of tea in the morning? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a single day. Jess, I think you have a drinking problem. What, a tea drinking problem? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. There's a, a thousand and forty bags of Yorkshire tea in the kitchen. <laughs> and that's just sitting in the sink from this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but like, on the Slack thing, like the fact that it's now been bought for the most ungodly sum of money I can even imagine, like what where where does it go from here? I mean, the thing is, it's interesting because like Slack is good. I, I use Slack, but I, I don't really like it that much. A couple of years ago, I was pushed over to using Microsoft Teams and I thought it was okay. It's kind of like Slack, but does more stuff. And <clears throat> occasionally I try using the Google products. And it's all the same shit. It's all just ways of messaging each other. But, you know, I mean, Teams is kind of, it, Teams is really market dominant now, surely, right? one time that I managed to mute myself. One of the fun things with Teams and one of the fun things with Microsoft in general is that you would think that they would have the most vertically integrated stack for office productivity anywhere. And they don't. Like, I do not know any technical team anywhere that uses SharePoint for documentation management, for instance. I, I think that it's, I don't know any team that uses any real teams that are using Yammer, for instance, for their, whatever they're calling the in-company social network junk. Realistically, like Office 365's Power Apps are, actually none of them, all of them really have better better operational competitors. Like, I, I don't understand how Microsoft keep dropping the ball on this. And Teams just isn't isn't there, and it's because Microsoft can't do integrations. They can do plugins, they can't do integrations. Yeah, I mean the tragedy <laughs> is that actually for all of Google's faffing around with jumping around a dozen different ways of doing anything, they do have a relatively good collaborative documentation and editing thing that looks too much like Microsoft Word that but it also encompasses you know cross instance email notifications really good relatively good task management issues relatively good change tracking it's just that Microsoft haven't really covered the same kind of ground equally like because, go ahead I think because it's because in a sense 
And again, it's purely obviously my opinion and other people have opinions too. The thing is that Microsoft don't, almost don't seem to have to make as much effort, right? You know, Google has to put a really good product out there because you're trying to tempt people away from what they use by default. Whereas Microsoft just has such dominance in enterprise, right? A lot of that's geographical though. So yes, you can't true. use Google in China, but you can use yeah. Microsoft. You can't use Zoom in the UAE, but you can use Teams. And that and yep. that's really where the, the the power comes from. It's it's those markets that they're allowed into that, that others aren't. And they're high the high population, high value customers. Yeah. God, that's the most sensible thing I've said all week. <laughs> and it's on a random BS podcast. So it's only well Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> It happened, you know. I know no one will ever hear it, but it did happen. No one will. Well, Andrew will hear it when he listens to this to do the editing. Yeah, but he'll have to uh, do it. I might blur this bit out. I might just cut this one out. Just, you know, you've got to cut one thing every time. So, is that it? it's that technology has just become geopolitics and that if you just get the right VC to get you into the right country, that, you know, that's it. And you basically just don't piss off the wrong autocrats. Yes. That, that's, that's, uh, I nearly wow. want to finish the whole, not just the, this podcast, but the entire podcast oh, series yeah. on that point, but uh, I'll, I'll refrain. We've just finished all podcasts. The entire history of podcasting is done. We're like, ah, oh, shit, this is just all obscene capitalism. Oh, no, I think in that regard, really? we, can keep, we can keep Behind the Bastards because Behind the Bastards is very good. I, I enjoy it, but yeah. Sorry, what's this? this because I can't remember the name of the guy who does it, but or the team who does it, but it is deep dive into like all of the bastards of history. Like you know, there there was a, a big one that I'm going through listening to at the minute of effectively the, the Asia's version of sort of Napoleon in terms of the expansionist, very very cruel regime of of the sort of the Asian empires during the late. 18th century and basically going through everything that they did wrong and everything that they did badly and everything that was nasty but you know delivering it with a little bit of comedy and linking it to vaguely linking it to current events there was another good one recently there was another good two that was on the the evil mastermind that is dr phil and all of the all of the horrible things that have happened that he's you know foisted on the great american public so just keeps things interesting as a, as a, you know, got to have some negativity in your day. Otherwise, you know, why would you go to sleep happy? I do like the fact that it's behind, I'm sorry, I've just looked it up and behind the bastards, basically history of lots of horrible, horrible people and most recent episodes about Bill Gates. Oh, well, do you want to see something Bill, funny? What did Bill Gates do to piss everyone off so much? Clipping. Okay, uh, cool. I'm on board. You're right. So, uh, escalated quickly. Ironically, I actually think my Virgin Media is that just under iHeart.com, Austin? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm getting a 403 on that one. Looks like there's a cash failure, but anyway, so we're always good to have a technical failure, even whenever we weren't planning to do anything technical. Like, how do you manage to fail a non demo? But. 
Oh no, sorry, yeah, the iHeart.real.com isn't working. It was the Apple podcast when I was looking at it. Ah, right, that's okay. So it's a it's a it's a global failure. So we'll wait to um, iHeartRadio's next podcast behind the crash and then see whether that works. That's or it could just be because our millions of listeners just heard us talking about this and they all searched for behind the bastards and completely destroyed their site. Oh no, no there millions of listeners. That we we have the attention of the entire intelligence network and they're they're tapping our Zoom call. Yeah. Clearly. They'll be in touch in a few years' time then. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Simon, actually, on a vaguely, I don't want to say work related, but I wanted to give a little update on a side project that Simon and I have been working on. And it's, I think I've actually spoken to you two about it in the very ancient past as well. Is this socially accessible computing or realistically it's laptops in a box had a very interesting conversation with ben carter today from the bytes project where they do things that are vaguely aligned the same direction of getting kids using technology in strange areas and they have an interesting remit where they're not actively targeting belfast as a what do you call it operational area which you know, is great because everything outside of Belfast has a tendency of getting completely ignored and rejected. And and even then, you know, it's basically your only backup is dairy. So yeah, so that could be an interesting one. They were very positive about it. So thought you'd like to know. Good news. So I might actually show it if I can find the URL for it. Simon found a fantastic, what was that? It was C4... Oh, the CL, yeah. CTL. That was so. I will just quickly do another we sherry share where I'll do. So, we'd initially spec'd out doing some massively overcomplicated beastie acquisition of oh, we need to find like a, a dozen Dell laptops, put them together in a load of switches, and what about hardware upgrades? How about stuff like that? And then Simon found this and basically went, Oh, they, they, they it, it's it's laptops in a box for the laptops in a box project. That's quite handy. So no, no, that that's a little bit of a dramatic reenactment, a little bit of artistic license just to sell it. Right, okay, okay. I was played by Ryan Reynolds during the video call. He's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, he just, Ryan Reynolds just will go anywhere to talk about aviation gin and we'll just promote anything. But because then if we say other gins are available, then Ryan Reynolds might show up just to do an aviation gin pitch. Um, I'm okay with that though. <laughs> well, as long as we get freebies. No, no, no. Who cares about the gin? It's, it's... Cold hard cash on nothing. Deadpool, yeah, brand self. Yeah, actually, Um, in all fairness to him, he played an absolute blinder with the ad with the lady who was in the Peloton adverts. Yes. Oh yes, that was glorious. That was amazing. Is he also doing some sort of mobile network thing as well in the states? Oh yeah, yeah, and he keeps doing these cross branding exercises which are you know entertaining but like how, how much you, I would actually be quite interested to know how those are financially structured because you know that that I'd, I'd like to take that advice <laughs> how do you sell but how do you sell uh, hmm. oh I've never been able to manage that 
Join the list, dude. Join the list. So I saw the depressing tweet today that we're now bumping up against, or we've peaked up to 115 new COVID cases today in Northern Ireland. Um, and that's after we were down into the 50s for a while. I'm just trying to find the link to the tweet because, of course, people keep talking. So dropping it into the chat and then that'll go into a nice transcript. But it was, let's see if we can go really fancy. And laid out a little bit poorly, but we could get we could get the stats out. But you know, do we think that this is something to be concerned about, or is this just normal variation? Do we need the standard devs? What what's the data delinquent's first glance approach to this? Oh right. Oh, what do I think? What do I think? What do I think? Yeah, easing a lockdown happened too soon. It seemed to be all a rush about the economy and the summer's coming and we need to open up hospitality and tourism and we put safety second. That's my take on it. Austin, want to jump in for a hot take? I mean, similar to what you've just said in fairness. I mean, in reality, with the relaxation of restrictions and increase in cases was absolutely inevitable. There was no doubt that was going to happen. The thing is that, as you can see from our wonderful vaccination dashboard, we've, you know, received 1.1 million people with first dose, right? That's still the 700,000 that don't. So in reality, it's it's inevitable we're going to see an increase in cases. That just, if you flip onto like a third page of that, it'll just show you what it's really, I think it's a third, fourth, sorry. Now the next one after that. I mean, what you see here, it's an uptake by age group, right? So at the end of the day, something like 80% of all hospitalizations were people over the age of 60. We've vaccinated pretty much all of those people, and most of them have two doses. So in reality, we should see, yes, there'll be an increase in cases. It's kind of inevitable, but we would very much hope that we will not see significant increase in hospitalizations. There'll obviously be some, but it will be a lot less, we hope. So, are, are there any good hospitalization rates, specifically time series rates? Oh, actually, that's quite interesting. The breakdown between the AstraZeneca and Pfizer. I mean, Austin, you might know this, but correct me if I'm wrong. Was it not basically that the AstraZeneca was largely delivered from the main vaccination sites and that Pfizer was largely GPs? Or is that a, a miscommunication? All the way around. So... AZ would have been mostly GPs and all the major vaccination sites initially were doing Pfizer. So the trusts were doing Pfizer. The GPs and pharmacies are all doing AstraZeneca. When SSA opened, it was also doing AstraZeneca, but now it does Pfizer as well, since there's a change for anyone under 40 being able to get Pfizer. So I get my second on Friday, and I'm kind I'm of the second one that I got to start off with, because the idea of mixing and matching does not appeal to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I have mine in 10 days, second dose. Well, dear listeners, if anyone wants to know the age distribution, I'm getting mine in a month. So, yeah, read into that what you will. <laughs> second, second, not quite that good. There, one of the things, so there's the vaccination rate. I'll, I'll, I'll keep nosing around in the background and see if I can find a dashboard that I do remember have was the regular hospitalization rates. But, like, there's, there's a couple of ways of... Um, interpreting all of this and do we think it's going for a proper big third wave or is this just the tail end and that the caseload is going to go up because we finally got the testing infrastructure in place that we should have had last year and that we're detecting cases and there's going to be minimal hospitalizations like Austin says 
or is this going to be the big another big bad compromised summer? Very hard to say. I mean, some of the Sage modeling and the SPYM modeling has come out as indicating, yeah, this is going to be another significant wave. I mean, it's been in several of the major newspapers. Honestly, I, I wouldn't want to guess on this. As I say, if we look at the vaccination rates in the at-risk age groups, Northern Ireland is doing incredibly well, right? The vast majority of anyone who's who, who would be in a more vulnerable group has been vaccinated. We've got the breakdown there by age, but we also know, you know, clinically extremely vulnerable people are all vaccinated. So, you know, ultimately, you know, there's still some question of impact of Delta variant on, uh, on of the vaccine's impact on the Delta variant. But again, it all looks very positive from what we're seeing in the in the media, at least. So I don't know. I am I am quietly optimistic that while we will see an increase in cases, it will be okay and we'll deal with it. Is it also the case that, as you say, it's the older age group that are mostly vaccinated, it's the younger ones that aren't, and they will be the ones that will be taking more advantage of things opening up again. So. They're more. They're in a, a better position to catch it, even. Yeah, exactly. but they're also the ones that are moving more at the minute. You got students coming back from uni, and you have students going back to uni in September, October time. Yeah. So I was in Scotland three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago, and things felt still as stringent as they did from last year, even though lockdown had sort of eased a bit. It gone down from level three and four down to sort of level two apart from glasgow which was still level three and you know there's still quite a lot of the student population around i mean i, I don't know the level of northern ireland students that are outside of northern ireland that will be traveling back saying that the way transport is at the minute they'll be swimming across the irish sea and not flying so there will be movement well but your point though in terms of scotland and how much of these restrictions and here you know I, the, honestly the whole thing in england at the moment is driving me absolutely nuts of this obsession over the ending of all restrictions. And it's like, God, just wear a mask and stay a bit further from each other. It's really not that much of a big deal. I understand there's economic impacts. Absolutely, totally get that. You know, you know, because most restaurants are operating at bar barely any margin anyway. So if you cut down your table numbers, you know, it's hard to sustain as a business. But the mm -hmm. idea that we want to get to this great freedom day where not only can you have as many people as you want in a bar, but you never have to wear a mask and you can hug people in the street. It's like, can you not just chill out a bit, like? You know, why, why, why do you hate freedom, Austin? I just hate freedom. I think it's unnecessary <laughs> and overrated. <laughs> that's that's why you used to force us all to Beltech. You will go, <laughs> you will speak. I, I'm still scared. You know, I'm just I've, 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 I've had my first vaccine, get my second one. I still don't go into shops unless I absolutely have to. I still don't leave the house, but I never did work from home so, so actually I, I tweeted something a little bit earlier on about another article by chris hood that was in me on medium about nine out of ten employees will not go back to the office bullshit yeah if you know ten employees your... don't want to go back to the office yeah Those are two like, very different numbers exactly <laughs> but they seem to think that there'll be a revolution that they will be able to control and steer and i think the, the reality of that's going to be quite different because the you probably don't have as much leverage as you think you have. If you want paid at the end of the month, then you probably do as you're told. Um, but then, no, the flip side of that, though, is that there's so many businesses for whom they've realised, oh, look how much money we can save by not having as many offices, right? It depends when the lease is They look objectively at productivity. For most, productivity has not decreased and in many cases it's got better. 
So, you know, anyone in making financial decisions in the business is going to look at the business going, we've saved money by not having the buildings open. We've saved money by not giving people free coffee and breakfast and all of the lovely little perks that we give people. And also, if we shut this business down, we save ourselves millions. So, yeah, you guys work from home. It's cool. I'm going to show every I'm going to show every foosball, ping pong table and beer fridge company going. <laughs> I thought they were all part of the the the, the now group or something. Uh, those at all are not the no. Yeah, the Wii group. Was that still a thing? Oh yeah, it is. Just under very different management. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of a reasonable... All right, so with, with the assorted crowd, I, I can go first, but the question is, what is your post-COVID working schedule expected to be? So not, not post-lockdown, not et cetera, et cetera, but what do you foresee your new normal to be? I think it's probably going to be maximum two days a week at the office, maybe and even then that would be relatively rare and that that two days a week would almost exclusively be for either specific teams specific cross-functional or specific social events i th for the rest of the time i think it'll be sitting working from home or working from frankly wherever i want to work that's wherever wants to go next i think i would I can see a value in like going face to face once in a while. Um, I went into town on Friday, only the second time in the last six months that I've done that. It was nice. Got together with a couple of different groups of people, had a couple of good conversations. It was very productive. We went out for dinner and some drinks in the evening. Really good. Quite happy to do that. But honestly, I wouldn't want to do it more than once, once a month. I'm kind of lucky. I'm fully remote anyway, so the new normal was the old normal. Nothing uh, changed. It, it, nothing changed. If anything, it got busier. Yeah, um, oh, I definitely got busier. No, but I mean, even even during the nine to five, I mean, what we found was because 2020 was such a sort of shock on on all sides, companies held off doing stuff, and then once they realised past Christmas, oh, we're still going to be here. Let's all do the stuff anyway. And they just shoved everything in. And um, I, I don't really remember much between the start of January and probably the end of March, mid-April, apart from being head down and busy. I was exhausted, actually, but that's a different... Yeah, I actually took holiday in April because I was knackered. We haven't stopped. And we're actually getting busier, which is quite nice. I'm not complaining. So yeah, it was uh, no change whatsoever. But that's that's the nature of our company. We're fully remote anyway. So we were using Zoom beforehand. All good in the world. So yeah, as to what happens, really depends on length of leases in property. I mean, the interesting thing will be co-working spaces because quite a lot are about to go pop. Yeah, I would imagine so. Because of over-leveraged landlords that bought up property to do co-working spaces, who now... I've got empty spaces that they're paying money on. So let's see how many bankruptcies happen. Probably more in London than anywhere else, but it will happen. I mean, you have to be a fool to do a desk sharing startup. No, no, no. A much better idea is to do a desk sharing charity. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? 
I just had to pull that up though when you talk about that is that one of the most ridiculous pieces of scaremongering nonsense I heard was this idea that it's less engaged and less useful employees that are that actually work from home. And guess who says that? The CEO of WeWork. He's got no vested interest, right? The the oh, the, the the recently the recently installed new CEO of WeWork. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's there's a bit of a that's that's ever so slightly self-serving, isn't it? Uh, if you don't go into work, you're kind of shit and you should be fired. So come back to WeWork, please, because we want your money. Might have something to do with shareholders. They're probably a bit narked at the minute. Well, I mean, I mean, Adam Newman's probably down to his last billion, isn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, um, before we go completely off the rails, Simon, you want to answer that one? What, what's, what do you see? What do you foresee your, your not just work-life balance, but schedule to be in the the new normal, which we all hate? Six, six months time. I can see me going in most days. What I find that I miss the most are the commute, actually. Not so much the actual commute itself. Although, it, you know, I, I train down, so it's basically 20 minutes to basically clear my head in, in either direction. But also kind of the incidental lunchtime conversations of, oh, you're in town, I'm in town, let's meet up for coffee and just, you know, getting out and doing something different each day. Um, looking forward to getting back to doing that. Although equally, it'll largely depend on how many other people are, are writing about as well. So yeah, we'll see. RIP Google Location Services because the Google Latitude used to be really handy for those things. Except for, you know, all of the complete violation of any concept of privacy, GDPR, or data control. So uh, Google still send me that, that that email every month of, these are the places you've been to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that is a bit of an own goal. You're, you have traveled two miles in a month. <laughs> You've been to Limavady <laughs> and McDonald's in Coleraine. <laughs> and, and that's it. I haven't been anywhere else. Yeah. And, and even that was a bit of a risk because it was two miles outside the 10 mile zone. Oh. Allegedly. 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 But not, but, not as the, but not as the crow flies. Exactly. You're fine. I, I think I think you can take on the Bobby Story funeral argument where the legislation was not sufficiently defined to enforce it. It is not make it clear in the legislation whether it says as the crow flies or by travel distance. So I, I think, you know, I think you could the, the CPS would maybe have to look at that, you know, assess whether it would actually be enforceable or not. And feeling that it was something to do with your eyes. They weren't working. You got to check them at the McDonald's. That's some they have eye test at McDonald's now. At some kind of local cast. I don't know. Uh, there was also the thing last week of, you know, we weren't expecting them to take the law quite so literally. <laughs> oh, right. So we've just managed to est establish that, like, the entire legal profession is no longer relevant. I mean, I, I actually count this as an absolute win if that's the outcome that, you know, we don't need to take the law literally. It doesn't need to be interpreted. Anyone can just read it and enforce it as they say, see fit. Then, uh, you know, I, I welcome this anarchistic overlord. Long live you, Dominic You can get Cummings. a chatbot for that. <laughs> oh, no, that, that would be a lovely one. Has anyone punted Dominic Cummings blog into a chatbot generator? Wow, that's a good idea. That could be fun. Do I still have my open API credentials? 
Uh, oh yeah, can you just like just push it all straight in the GPT three and see what comes out? I was going to say, I just generate more content. I, mean, you think know, I, I think that he's written enough crap that you could easily just generate his blog post endlessly. Maybe that's no, 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 no. Uh, come on, come on, come on. It's, it's we know, right? Transformer, right? Transformer solved this. We don't need to, you know, reinvent the wheel. We'll just get it go sentence by sentence, right? So now that I've got credentials and things out of the way, let's see if I can remember how to do this because it has been a while. Yeah, live demo, live demo. That's okay. into as well. Right. Now this has actually changed a bit since the last time. So let's try this the fun way. Stop making excuses. You're in now. You're in too deep. Oh, that's 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 so refreshing. Right. Okay. Do we want to go for oh this would be yeah, okay, the featured one. Right, let's go for let's see how much this accepts. And then we go for the playground. Yes, I know we did this before. And then submit with command enter. So let's go for uh, search project text, moderate classification. So we want language translation. So let's go for Curie. Complex intent. I think we can definitely attribute Cummings with complex intent. Frequency penalty. I don't think we really need to manage that. No, no, we don't want, we actually nearly want an inverse because he does have a habit of re repeating himself. Yeah. And let's see if we can, how much can we make the response like? Okay. Oh, what's this cancelling? So 200 before. So let's just take this down. Can I get this down to a rough, oh, nearly. So that was down to two. So let's try. So this is actually going to be relatively short, unfortunately, but let's see then how it compares to the actual, if I can get, oh, it's, it's just going to be the one paragraph, it looks like. So if we do, let's get rid of that and we'll just go for the first bullshit sentence, which actually manages to be the second paragraph. So I'm happy to meet with cabinet secretary for him to search my phone for Dyson messages. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. So what else do we want to trim out? What else do we think are the least Dominic Cummings-y parts of this? I'm happy. That I do have with concern. My eyesight is okay, thank you. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, what about that? Well, this has definitely restricted itself since the last time I played with this. Oh, God, you told... I told you in the last podcast, GPT-3 is bad, it's Wolf Garden. Oh, you... I've completely misread that, unfortunately, because that... font length is too long, right? Yeah, that read indicator is actually, or that red indicator is actually saying that, you know, it's actually, that red thing means that it's fine. Yeah. Because all, all info messages are in red. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's always good. Let's what see. was it you guys were criticizing UX for earlier? Yeah. yeah. And training space. So which error message is it supposed to be? Current token limit. Fine. Let's go for that, that decision again and let's just play with it because I think that is definitely the most comingsest coming that ever came. Screw it. Mr. Dyson, oh, this is this is then reading it as an article rather than actually having it as a quote. Mr. Dyson did, did not respond to requests for a comment by press time. Yeah. So it completely missed 
I did not receive any text messages from the Prime Minister or anyone in his office. Is that not basically just a repeat? Or more importantly, is that actually in the original source text and it's just doing an association? Any bets? While I try and work up, it is looks that? like it's it looks like it's something I saw in the source text, but then otherwise, it, or if not, then it is really just very very good at being Don McCummings. Now, because this has got the predictions on top of it, this is a pain in the ass to copy and paste because it decides that it's going to do the log prob of everything. This is the reason, Northern Ireland, we don't use AI tools. So, let's see, I'm happy to meet with, see that again. House of Assemblies novel, okay, that's fine. But these do look like, I mean, it is exactly what GPT-3 is based on, is I've stitched together a shit ton of newspaper articles to construct something that would be, would be put in the same bucket of stitched together articles as the thing that you've given me. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is, you know, we unfortunately are not quite ready for a Cummings bot yet. It's pretty close. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's just try and see if we can go with, if we inverse this model a bit, basically go, let's see if we can emulate a list, right? There, there's a reasonable challenge of, can it infer a long distance sequence atten attention? And let's help it out by keeping it all in one paragraph. Now, let's see if that lets it go. Your text ends in a trailing space, but it let me go. Okay, what? What? It's just putting lots of chilling spaces in. That's very bizarre. Right, okay. That looks, that is exactly what the error message complained about, but that also seems like a really bad API validation oversight. But what do I know? Oh, okay. It's so, this, so it's now, so we've now got a leaky GPT 3. So every single one of those, it looks like it's denying. Oh, right, now we've dropped into Theresa May. <laughs> and it just ends up with David Cameron, Boris Johnson, David Cameron, Boris Johnson, David Cameron, Boris Johnson, David Cameron, Boris Johnson. That, that is beautiful. That, that is horrifying. I'm going to take that and let's see. Dump that into the text, which should be entertaining to see if I can find where I left my chat box or sorry, chat window. But that, that, oh, of course, oh, for goodness sake. So, Zoom, and, and Zoom has still, a limit. If, if you stuck it in Kubernetes, you get funding for this. Don't joke, that's my job for next week. So, I'm going to take this off and dump it into no, uh, push. push because Zoom is being a pain and I've already derailed everything sufficiently. So yeah, uh, uh, that that looks spinny. I think that's, 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 I think the, the aggregate we can put on all of this is that GPT can be sufficiently advanced to pretend to be a Whitehall insider. So did Edwin have access to this? <laughs> Well, I, I think if Edwin if Edwin saw this and saw like type something into a box and then something else types back to you, I, he would probably reassess that six thousand year number and work out 
maybe maybe he's found a new god and the, the ghost the ghost of jesus christ really is in the machine i bet he's not going to the causeway anytime soon on other topics then what hey. do people think I've, I've had four requests this week asking when are you going to update how long has northern ireland not had a government.com and i am not political wonk i don't know anything about the ins and outs of it other than as a passive observer but it, do people think that i'm actually going to have to change that or is the northern ireland government going to recover from yet it's yet another stalemate i think the website could be doing up there damn yeah it should be just you flipping a coin <laughs> um, I don't know. Hey, it'll, it'll be the website. Eh, well, it's it's a question of because we, we got burned before, so this website has been a collaborative work by about a dozen different people contributing features and ideas and, and different counting styles, and one particularly beautiful addition, which was doing these accumulated salary count of all of the MLAs while we were in the last pause, and we did try and put in for a Guinness World Record for the longest period of time without a government. Unfortunately, the Guinness World Record organization turned around and said, in a slightly provocational way, given the context of things, no, that doesn't count. You're still governed from Westminster. And I'm going, oh, that's by that. So the, the competition is for um, or against Belgium. So I'll see if I can pull this up. Uh, I, I now just have to say hi into my web browser and it just sends me directly to it. So we managed to make it 521 days before it all goes to hell. So we did make it to, where did we make it? Yeah, we did make it to, I think it was a little bit over this. So we did ask the Guinness World Record Organization. Yeah, they argued back with us and said, no, it doesn't quite count. But yeah, so hopefully we won't have to make too many changes to this. Although maybe update the font. But yeah, now we'll see how long the counter goes. I meant to implement a, a high scoreboard for each, what do you call it, parliamentary session or stormant session and listing which session got the most active days but i left that as a as a what do you call it a good first issue on the github repo to see if anyone would jump in to do it i think the remaining question is will arlene return to holding things well what will arlene return to holding things To holding things. Uh, that's I think it's a valid question. No, I think it is. And again, for anyone who has not seen this madness, there is an entire Tumblr page about it. it has been for many years. She's actually been now. This Tumblr is very out of date, but this just shows the 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 credentials. How many cookies am I going to have to accept? I, I, I am so not used to seeing photos of people standing so close together in marketing shots now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's like here's here's a bunch of people that don't like each other. Social distancing, social distancing. But Arlene was well known as being very capable of holding things for short periods of time. So yeah, I, I think this. I, I would like to say that she comes back to a pedigree. I mean that that is just that is just pure 
professionalism and skill, you know, that that's definitely a thing and Arlene's definitely holding it. Certainly is. As a previous freelance photographer for the press, we did make people hold things on purpose. It was funny. Oh yeah, no, that 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 is the rule. Now a while back there was some discussion around everyone posting the same socially distanced photos on all of their platforms <laughs> where they all just looked the same and they all looked like 90s indie wow. punk band covers and it just goes on and on and the irony is it, it's a blessing that print media was already mostly dead because if print media hadn't already died the resolutions of photos in print media would not have allowed you to be able to identify people's faces because they'd just be so small and so distant to get anything into a printable format unless you're going to go for the the Ulster Tatler front page so there is, is that, that, is, that pic, is, is that picture of you choosing what beard oil to order no, that was actually a photo from, what was it? It would have been 2016 by the look of the laptop. And I think that was ordering from, what was the one before Just Eat? Something like that. I think that well, that's... Nifty Nosh. Nifty Nosh, that was it. So ordering ordering food to Farset from Nifty Nosh and just really deeply contemplating it. And th there's me refusing to hold things at a press photo where I'm like, no, 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 I'm not don't, holding them. Don't thing. try and make yourself special over all of this. It's not working. Me not holding anything. Jeez. <laughs> I couldn't find any photographs of you holding anything, Jess. No one likes me. I never appear in any photograph. Oh, but that's okay. Well, that's, that's just because you're holding yourself together. There you go. <laughs> <Barely>. <laughs> The one I linked there, I'm also not holding anything, but I am standing about five feet away. Oh, actually, I think the last, the last, <laughs> the last press photo was at Belltech, where I was wearing a leather jacket and in my cowboy boots and just not really giving much of a hoot. Well, that's basically been your campaign photo for the past couple of years. That is true. That is true. So as, a, as another gently driving question, because you, you mentioned the B word a couple of times. The B word? The, the bell tech. How are conferences, and I'm especially thinking actually of technical conferences and whether you choose to put bell tech in that classification is up to your own recognizance. But like actual technical seminars, I mean, I come from an academic background that those kind of seminars and presentation driven, but where you also had that active social element and that you were going on offsite conferences where you were all coming from all over the world, the subject matter experts within a particular field, and then being able to spend time away from your normal lives in this targeted environment. Is that something that's just gone? Oh, that's no. an interesting one. No. I don't think so. I don't think so. There's clearly a drive for that to come back. And it's the thing is, like, if you look at CogX is on this week, CogX is an excellent conference. I was at it a couple of years back. I was super impressed, really enjoyed it, really well set up. I have asked for it this week online. I haven't watched a single talk and I probably won't. I registered because I would probably like to watch some of it, playback if it's available, but the chances of me having the time to do it are almost zero. 
because I don't have enough time to do anything. I know that MTAC, which is being run in Belfast, is going to have some on site. So I'm going to go there one of the days. And honestly, I just, I, it's very, very hard to justify or go to any of these virtual events. You know, we're, we're all extremely busy all day, every day. And actually, even you, especially if you sat from eight o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night in front of the computer, the last thing you want to do is then stay in front of the computer and watch people talk about things. And record a podcast. Yeah, even this was a spell. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Jason. No, no, you go first, Andrew. So I mean, that, that was one of the interesting things from us and what you were saying, where people were getting pissed off with doing the previously classical meetup slot, which was the six to eight, seven to nine, that slot, where you were already in town, you were probably just, it was an excuse to work late. It would always open up a little bit earlier. And especially considering the world and tech world, that was generally crossover with some of the Americans as well. So that was all acceptable. And then that was an active justification to go, right, now I'm leaving and I'm going and I'm technically kind of sort of not working, but not really. And whenever you're stuck at home, that doesn't, that time slot no longer makes any sense. Honestly, it never made any sense for me anyway. Well, that's because you're the exception. There you go. You can steal the Queen's motto of, you are exceptional. But no, I mean, Queen's University Belfast. That was, oh, that, right. was okay. that, that was the <laughs> motto that they're The Queen right. says that all the time as well. That's I was going to say, those impressions go, Andrew. I think that one needs a bit of work, but uh, I don't want to say. Oh, um, I, it's, it's all right. I haven't seen Liz in five years. Memory fades, but... Oh, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> wow. That wah, was wah, low. Wah. Uh, well, no, I had the photos pop up in my memories recently and I was going, where the fuck is that? Oh, oh, shit. Why am I dressed up in a backyard? Crap. But yeah, um, for anyone listening, I unfortunately somehow got landed on a junket where I had to meet two old people, but such is life. But yes, the, the Queen's University, Queen's University Belfast has, has the official motto of pro 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 tanto quid which i can never remember the translation of because it's much better as a magazine name than it and during the 20 2015 or 2016 rebrand they declared we are exceptional which just screamed a, 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 a just contradiction in terms to me where oh yes we are all really special congratulations but yeah so have fun with that and not even in latin no, I mean, well, nobody learns Latin no, no, anymore anyway. Pro tanto quid means what shall we give? That was oh, it. Oh, I mean, here, here was, from we here, are exceptional. Here was me thinking it was about creating long-term shareholder value. Quid in it, you know. We. Fail. Yeah, conferences. Yeah. It's been a bit of a strange one. The meetups I've been doing have been US time, so I've been doing them at 11 o'clock at night different audiences far more fun far more heckling far more beer. is it is that i was <laughs> gonna say is that the case just or is it just because you're doing it at 11 o'clock at night and therefore you know <laughs> no, no 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 the only reason i did the cleveland kafka meetup was because i so i could start the talk with hello cleveland i loved every second of it so virtual conferences this year have been the biggest pain in my ass ever I've, i don't actually like doing them it's very one way the couple of, the couple of dev bashes that i did i was like a, a deer blind in the headlights i was just like oh i don't know what i'm doing this is all foreign there's, there's no one heckling me it's weird yeah so it's been a bit of a learning curve for me i not really enjoyed it either i think it wasn't until we 
I did the Kafka Summit Europe, where we're actually pre-recording a conference talk, which I've never done before, where you definitely don't get heckled. It's, <laughs> the funny thing with the Kafka Summit talk was he said, oh, hi, this is, this is Rob in LA. And I said, hi, how you doing, Rob? Okay, are you drinking Bushmills? I went, I am? How the heck did you know that? He says, oh, we've got family and so-and-so and we all like Bushmills. Okay, yeah, and I actually had a glass in my hand. Anyway, so, <clears throat> yeah, it was quite fun. But in-person conferences kind of need to come back because right now virtual conferences give no value to the sponsors whatsoever. Yeah, totally. Really? That's what it boils down to. You can have as many breakout rooms as you want online, but you know what? People are not going to be overly interested in sponsorship material or being yep. sold to at that point. So it's really a commercial thing, not necessarily a feel-good thing for, for developers to get free beer and pizza and all that kind of malarkey. The um, thing that it, might be really the thing that might be really interesting coming back to that point is, you know, sponsors getting value from it. You would wonder, having not done this now for a year and a half, how many marketing departments are going, look how much money we saved on not going to conferences. And, oh, shit, it didn't make any difference. But what you'll see, especially on the tech side, is the marketing budget going from conferences go down, but DevRel go up. And it will all be about DevRel, especially for tech companies. Yeah. And that's where the money will get plowed into, which is a great thing. And uh, every week I, I usually chip in with the, the flyless dev community. They have a, a, a meetup every every week. It's just a check-in most of the time. Some of them also do talks on, on DevRel stuff. I feel completely foreign in there because I'm not DevRel. Mm. I'm, I'm, data, I'm data ops, which is whatever that is. No, I already know what it is. <laughs> it's my same job, but spelled differently. In all fairness, it was my fault I asked for it. <laughs> Yeah. I want a new title. Yeah, so uh, meetups in general, there, there was a whole splurge of meetups and, and stuff last year, during the day, during the night, in the afternoon, first thing in the morning, and I went to none of them. Seriously, for, for the reasons Austin said, it's like, I have enough going on here. If I'm sat here, I'm working. I do not have time to break out for two hours and just listen. I can't do that. I just can't. It's like, you have to be on the site doing it instead. Yeah, I'm very biased about this, as I am about many things, because I was never a massive fan of meetups versus user groups. So user groups where it's people who are, who are trying things and sharing things that they discovered or sharing edge cases that screwed them over or sharing challenges that they've had in front of a group of peers where... There may be in the pub, there may be in the co-working space, there may be in somebody's office, whatever. They're there to share in the interest of a technology or practice versus meetups, which unfortunately were born out of the old user groups, but evolved into almost mini conferences. This idea of we're going to go with really big guest speakers who have really great things to talk about and oh by the way don't look at the company name is also the same as the stickers on the beer that you walked into and you know just just you know ignore the the sponsorship angle i, I, I would quite like it to go back to i want to go back to the good old days of like peers local peers and local groups of support effectively because there's a separation between oh 
do I want to go on to the, the Python dev mailing list and talk about some of the weird logical quirks I've had with some of the implications of the walrus operator and discussing whether that's actually the right approach for the language? Or do I want to have that as here's 10 cool things in Python 9.3 and here's two that don't make any fucking sense? What do you folks think? I mean, that is much more fun to me than you know the grand international impact and regardless of whether we're whether we're contributing to a global or some i'm sorry to jason's point a remote meetup where it's a meetup that's centered somewhere else i still like that community driven spirit rather than the sponsorship driven spirit that meetups ended up but, with but, yeah but this is what happened most most of the meetups ended up being recruitment drives with a tour crap around them and that's not a meetup to me that's just someone recruiting in, in the, the veil of sponsorship. You know, oh yeah, we'll provide the venue and this and that and the other. Cool it, it, it's really fine. difficult because it's a, it, as, as a user group or historically user group and historically meetup group organizer, it is mm. a very, very slippery slope between, oh, I, I, I want to share this with people. Oh, that means I need a space for people. How many people do I think are gonna come here? If it's it, then we can maybe go to the pub, stuff it. Oh, oh, you want to come? Oh, shit, this is getting to like 12. Oh, fuck. Right, okay. Need to rent a room somewhere. Oh, right, okay. But if it, if, it, if all the rooms are going to be either cheap or compromised because they're going to be run out of a company, da, 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 then you get it. Don't even go into the catering side of things because you would be amazed how challenging on multiple levels it is to accommodate for a diverse range of tastes in a small group of people. And that is not something that an individual who frankly just wants to talk about Python really gives a shit about. But then ironically enough, whenever somebody else pops up and just does a recruitment fair with loads of beer and loads of pizza and calls it a X meetup and they do it in their corporate offices and they have set aside time for staff to go and make their speeches and presentations, then that I have seen that suck the soul out of really motivated community leaders who just go, why the fuck would I bother even attempting to stand up to that? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure where the, where the line sits. It doesn't have to always end up that way. I mean, with AI and I, we basically had a sort of unwritten rule, which was the people who sponsor, i.e. pay for food and booze, don't get to speak, right? It doesn't mean that whoever it is that's sponsored can't speak at some point in the future if they've got something interesting to say. But we never had a recruitment drive kind of focus mm. on it. And yes, sometimes the sponsors turn up and stand up. To be honest, we got really lucky because we got lucky in that we got people sponsoring who honestly didn't really care too much about sponsorship or didn't care too much about what they were trying to do. They were genuinely just being supportive. And again, we're very lucky that we were able to use Ormo Bass. There was no cost for that. They were very supportive. Again, it was, and it, we had a really good experience doing it. But again, it just highlighted for me that it only works really, it really just works when you're face to face because the the beer and the pizza and the chat beforehand afterwards is actually probably the most important bit and you know we never really had the talks going on that long anyway it was just but, more of a hangout with some people but a crack but that leads on to a different question the the reason we went to these things to start off with was to network and meet new people in that sphere of things are you actually still meeting new people or is it just the same faces showing up place to place free beer free pizza p.s i can't drink the beer i'm driving so it's a waste of time 
for me. Always has been. Always been that, been that issue. No, I totally get that. And I mean, I don't, I often drink wine, but I can't eat pizza. So, you know, the food never worked for me either. But, you know. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, we did these things to network. I, I did a, I ran open coffee in Coleraine for a year, I think it was a year. And the churn of new people was quite interesting. We were always getting somebody new through the doors, which was great. And they weren't in tech. That was the, the nice thing about Coleraine. It was just anybody was coming in, you know, especially the Federation of Small Business People going, how did you get so many people to show up? Well, you just gave them free coffee and it seemed to work. And you did it in the evening and not two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and it just doesn't feel like that anymore. Which is why I stopped going to a lot of things. And also, I'm, I'm not interested in cloud. I'm not, I mean, and you have to get, I, got, I get really selective about what I go and see. You know, I mean, it's no, no secret that things like Kafka and big data conferences are kind of what I do. So that's kind of where I gravitate anyway. So I tend to, I'll go to the bigger conferences I, anyway. You and I aren't the target market. No, I know. I don't know who is right? it. You know, this is, I students. think it's for students. It's for early career people. It's for people who haven't, who, who do want to grow a better network, who want to get to know more people locally. We're old, we're grumpy. We're not interested in hanging out with people anyway. And yeah, hang on, are you calling me grumpy? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's, as I say, I enjoyed helping organize these things, but I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't doing an event that was for me. Right. It wasn't, and I, you know, the, the, uh, thankfully I worked with people a lot younger than me who kind of were a bit more in touch with what they were interested in. And I was just happy to help out, you know, but. Uh, yeah, and that's fine. Uh, but I come from a, probably from an educator's point of view, even though I'm not an educator myself. It's like, I know this stuff. I do want to share it. Yeah. But I'm not interested in organizing conferences. That's not what I do. Well, apart from being on program committees for stuff, but you know, because I've got a monstrous ego when it comes to talks and stuff, that's what I do, you know. Yeah. It's, and it's like a gig for me. It's not. It's not something mm. I do for 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 professional <laughs> for professional reasons. It's like oh, it's but like a gig, but without a guitar. But you're right. There there is a balance that has to be struck in there because I I I have big issues with I'm going to pull up the ladder now syndrome where, okay, I've got my network that I got through uni or through working for a particular employer at a particular time or whatever, and that's going to be my group of connections forever. Screw you if you're a young first-year engineering student. You don't get access to that magnification network. I really can't stand that approach, and some people do bake into it of going now nah, i have my network i don't need to engage with younger grids now, obviously geez, that's not pointing anything at you because you still push onto the conference scene and push onto the big events i mean we see each other maybe once a year and it's yeah. it's always with a big bear hug but that's because we built our relationship in the old days for yeah, want of I... a better phrase now my but... question is what that old days is going to look like and whether Simon and my generation are going to be able to make sure that there's that intergenerational connection, no offence to anybody on the call in any direction, but I think that's an important thing, that line between management, senior, junior, intern, student, high schooler, primary schooler, toddler, that, that, that network is 
realistically it's our responsibility to maintain and, oh, and that's, absolutely. that's the challenge i have a stack of wired magazines i'm taking to my daughter's old school on friday <laughs> it's like have them learn from them that's what they're there for yeah. and and i said this on i think i said this on twitter i'm getting old i'm nearly 50 you know that put me because uh, people go oh, oh you know all this stuff you don't need to be and it's like no put me in a room with people that have been doing their thing for six months i will learn something off them yep i really want to be in the room with those folk that that have just started that are giving out the enthusiasm that i was desperate to see years ago yeah learn from them and and folk like naomi mcgregor from move true brilliant staff brilliant ideas focus like i've never seen Mm. From, from, from an entrepreneur and, and really kind of making waves at the minute I, that kind of thing's great to see and i want to see more of it i want to see that that raw talent coming through and not getting how, how do we help that's kind of where i'm where i'm at it's like you know i, I know bolster you always called me one of the elders and i kind of struggled with that for a little bit if i'm absolutely honest with you but you're right and clissa calls me elder sheep she always has done so because of the hair yeah it's funny i love it it's like yeah you call me that it, it's how to help those mm -hmm. those others and i appreciate there's rays there's catalyst there's almost baths and there's propel and there's ignite and they're all those things but they all have an underlying thing going on mm -hmm. where i'll go yeah if you want to ask me questions ask me a question i'll mm -hmm. give you answers you might you know i'll give you my opinions they may not necessarily be right but you can take away and weigh at what the information i've given to you and make mm -hmm. a decision for yourself Instead of someone going, you have to do it like this, and you have to go this, and you have to go and raise money. And you have to, no, you don't. Just go get customers. You know, yeah. if you can get customers, you don't need that. You know, that kind of jumping through hoop paperwork thing. And I, I know I'm critical of all of this. Yeah, I, I kind of played. You know, you, you, I've seen it too many times. So it's been in my head for the last couple of years as one of the elders. Well, let me just clarify something, because one of the things that's really important about this worldview is that, it, and I will cover myself with this, yes, of the tech community in Northern Ireland, you are one of the elders, but <laughs> whatever, but, 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 yes, the, but, but this is the cool, other thing, yeah. but this is the other thing, whenever I met you, you weren't. Right. So this is the thing. These are transitory events. Like in in ten years' time, I'm going to be the elder, the 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 even more cynical, the even more disconnected. Because this is the thing that not not going too selfish in this one, but I had again bloody Facebook memory bullshit where it was like just over uh, yeah, just over 11 years ago that I was in the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York going to a hacker conference where I was with a load of people that I'd worked with their shit for years. And like, I didn't know anybody in the tech scene in Belfast. I I, I think I'd maybe gone to open coffee once. And uh, there, there's a phrase that maybe like three people around on the scene anymore actually recognize. These things are transitory. They are intergenerational and they are continuous. And I agree with you that there's a big open question around how do we make sure not just passing down knowledge as if it's some kind of grand gift, but 
keeping the connections in place and the networks in place and growing those connections with the tide of time to make sure that there's that kind of sensor network that's able to jump in and go, oh, dude over there. So you you raised, you know, I raised wonderful farcic guy called Kaelin, yet another Dariad. I mean, how do, I don't know what that school does to people, but it evidently, we, we turn PTSD into innovation. But so Kaelin has been leading a load of different community groups and like putting in all of this organizational effort. And I took him aside a couple of weeks ago and basically said on a Zoom call, such as you can, and basically said, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You're worrying about incorporation papers, financial reporting, you know, charities registration. You're worrying about governance models. You're worrying about, oh, how do we set up mailing lists? How do we set up distribution lists? How do we, right, all of the boring stuff. And I'm sitting there going, dude, we did all this shit before, right? The, the part of the reasons why Farset has survived, Farset Labs has survived this long is because it's a place to put the boring bits and that the boring bits are restricted to a relatively small group of people that are gradually getting used to the bullshit that comes associated with the boring bits. So that those, I don't want to use the phrase bright sparks because it's a condescending, terrible thing to say to people, but the people that actually have the energy and the, the, the novelty to try things in new ways. I mean, realistically, I see my job at the minute to be a, a safety net and a teller of history and basically saying, I see what you're trying to accomplish. Here is how we did similar things in the past. Here's where it went wrong. And mm -hmm. just to pass on, they can make whatever judgments they want. They can make whatever whatever decisions that they are they want to have. But again, those decisions also have to be insulated from that safety structure that that network like you you need to kind of you know give people a little tap on the shoulder and go no there's there's a relatively short list of these people but that's one of the ones that you don't want to actually piss off for just petty reasons but little things like that are the, those taps on the shoulder those little quiet words i see that as being the most positive thing rather than, because frankly jace as you said they are going to beat the shit out of us technically that's yeah. that's just the inevitable of the industry that we're in i want them to and interestingly i i came up thinking this year of if anything happened now employment wise i'm pretty much stuffed I, and people probably sit there oh no no no, no, no. yeah i am you know, so I've got to, I've got to really behave myself now, which is really fucking hard. Um, I thought the easy money was become become a YouTuber and then just you know then the money just comes in apparently. Really? Oh, is that not what we're here for? I thought that I thought this was how we were all going to be millionaires in like two weeks. No, see, no, evidently the checks are just lost YouTube. in the post. <laughs> no, no, see, technically this is a far. It, it is not a far. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my first YouTube channel. Andrew said it'll work. I, I like, want to see if it, like, uh, like, comment, like, and subscribe. You know, it's like, oh. share, and subscribe. But, oh, no, they, sorry, you're right. They updated it a comment. Yeah, because that's now part of the algorithm. And, uh, oh, I knew I did it wrong. Um, God, we are the worst. Uh, so, so uh, seriously, <laughs> going, going back to the serious, a serious sort of notion of what I was saying is I'm sitting here going, how can I help? How can I make a difference? And then on the, on the reflective side of that, from what you just said, Andrew, it's like, 
Did I do enough? Andrew, was I an arsehole or did I actually help you? Or, or yeah. Uh, can I can I say both on that one? Because yeah. I, no, no, I want this, you to be honest. In all yeah, fairness, yeah. I want you to be honest. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you the honest review. Right, I will honestly say that my approach to conference presentations and talks in general is 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 at least partially based on the same talk that you've been given for like six years at this point just just it's a it, it's a great talk but it's the 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 style and the the approach to sharing not just information but attitude to finding information which changed an awful lot about how i looked at how i was presenting things but then outside of that side of things i've actually had really very fucking little to actually do with your specific area of expertise and i think i've called on you for advice mm -hmm. for technical advice maybe three or four times oh maybe yeah max but the other thing is that knowing that i have somebody in my network with a set of skills that i can psychologically map and go oh if there's something in that area that i don't know how to construct the correct mental model around I can cross-check it with a friend rather than going, dear boss, I need to have a five-minute consultant you know, consultancy with EY to find out if I know anything about event sourcing. And like, you know, mm -hmm. that that's one of the big things. But, You're just yeah, too cracked to be around. But yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that's what friends are for. So you can just go, yeah. what do you think about this? Well, yeah, you do X, Y, and Z. Oh, there you go. Thanks very much. See you later. I mean, that, that's one of the dangerous things about the difference between a community and a network is where yeah. a community is a group of people that don't always have to agree with each other, don't always have to play nice to each other, and that active dissent in some ways is healthy for the network overall, going back to my ancient history mm -hmm. work. Whereas... And off going, winding it back to the meetup slash conference dichotomy, some of the meetups, and, and Austin, I'll say that AI and I wasn't one of them, but some of the meetups felt very much more like a farm and that your life, the, the, the audience was not practitioners. It was okay, if you go to this meetup, you'll get a job. That, that was very much how it was pushed on students by various different networks that evolved and then imploded from interpersonal issues. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, did that not happen four different times in the past 10 years that there's been a student integration network with the, the tech sector or the entrepreneurship sector? Is, it, is, is Nygma still going? Is that still a thing? I mean, it feels like these cycle around every couple of years. Hmm. I really don't know. I'm so out of the loop. One, one interesting thing around, it kind of concerned me a little bit, was was actually around Belltech last week. Apart from Tom tweeting, I didn't see a single hashtag during the course of the day that would normally fly up in front of me, which I yeah. found really strange. Same here. Same here. Really, really strange. Concerning, actually, to the point of, well, if I, you know, if I could do something about it, I would have. I think I retweeted Tom. I can't remember if I retweeted Tom's stuff. So I don't want to. I don't want to lie on camera. So I'll turn the camera off and lie there instead. No, it just, it just, it, it was just something that stuck in my head and thought I hadn't seen anything all day. 
But as someone who is in the tech industry in Belfast, you know, has been around it a bit. I, I mean, for start, I didn't know it was on until about a day before the Belltech even was on this year. But even at that, I have no idea what that conference is for. I genuinely don't. Like, for automation, apparently, was one of the buzzwords, which I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Like, but I, I, I don't even understand who the audience for it is. I, I would say I would put Belltech down as corporate. I'd have put it down as as uh, the audience was predominantly public policy, actually, and that it, that the the public policy audience isn't in necessarily interested in them hearing from practitioners. What they're actually interested in is public policy bodies going in to speak to a captive captive audience of people that look and talk like they should be practitioners. I, I would say most, most public policy weren't too impressed that I told them that they didn't need AI. <sighs> they don't. And the, one of my favourite people in public policy, she was one of my favourite people in the voluntary sector and then she got infected, is Andrea Thornbury. And the fact that she's still fighting the good fight just for data transparency and even simple things like conform to a fucking schema, right? That these are not technical things. The, the concept that government can safely and effectively apply technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence is an anathema. It doesn't make any sense. Now, I can understand in potential like micro skunkworks projects where you bring in industrial experts and people who, actually, who have experience in actually implementing and operating those systems. That all I could see, I could see proof of concept stuff. I find it very difficult to see a genericized pathway, especially within Northern Ireland, but we're not particularly worse than anybody else in terms of applying AI and ML to public policy decisions without royally screwing it up and it being no better than a fucked up TensorFlow tutorial. I can't show you the screen that's just above me. I have to get you to sign an NDA. No NDAs. I know, no, I, but seriously. What's next? There's a place for Belltech, there's a place for AI Conf, there's a place for anything, if anyone's willing to organise it. If there's yeah. an audience for it, then there's a place for it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, no, no, I don't, I don't think that's, that's necessarily true. There are, we've already suggested that a, something that advertises itself as a high technology practitioner led conference doesn't tick doesn't doesn't in if or doesn't in actuality tick any of those boxes really the the problem is that as you add more of these sponsor cycling events you dry up the available goodwill sponsorship available for individuals who do want to do practitioner-led stuff or technology-led stuff 
because look, I've I've historic I've previously had people turn around and that that I've asked that have previously sponsored events and they said, no, sorry, we can't do that because we're sponsoring bullshit conference X. And that it's just you know, there's there's a, a big events management organization around it that's doing the big thing that's getting all the shiny suits in, but it's not getting the people that I know in my level of the industry or below, mm -hmm. and it's not actually touching the people that I as an individual would want to actually collaborate with. I mean, there was a whole program that we built around data art, which is a, a, a really tragic one that I still plan on bringing back to life, which we just, just got funding to take data art seriously as a cross-organizational collaboration by linking together technology organizations, Farset, other charities in, uh, in the tech sector, and also in the art sector, bringing in Vault Artist Studio, bringing in Boom, bringing in Fab Lab, and oh, well, who's that? Nerve Center. Bringing those together as an interdisciplinary meetup trip that cycled around multiple different venues. Unfortunately, whenever we confirmed this, it was March the third, two thousand and twenty, which bit of a timing issue then. Just a bit, whenever your express funding purpose is taking people from different parts of the country and putting them into small rooms together. Like that, no. But previous to that, we'd attempted a couple of different funding proposals where all we were looking for was give us beer and pizza so that Farce it's not just paying for it all and I'm not massively abusing a directorship. And nobody understood or nobody, sorry, I'll rephrase that, I failed to motivate people to get the idea that an arts tech crossover made sense, despite the fact that I had NIDEF presentation the year before, which was on the exact thesis that got an awful lot of response and was fairly well received and like had people turning around and going, yeah, right, go for it. Like that idea of connecting the worlds, people don't see how to get money out of it because Recruitment firms don't see how they're going to be able to get really solid technologists out of it, even though arguably some of the best technologists have a bleed through of the arts in them because they know how to apply techniques rather than just playing with them. And then anytime that we'd gone to any of the classical community funding organizations or any of these kind of things, they wanted to twist it into being a festival and a big public arts event and a big, you know, when neither of those fits what the joint communities actually wanted, which was they wanted to be able to regularly go into rooms with people who knew things that were different from them, but still knew things and that they weren't performing. They weren't, yeah, they weren't the attraction. It was a, it, it, it is a community. And I don't think we have the structures in place at the moment to be able to support those kind of projects. Until Open Data and I tried it and then COVID fucked it. I mean, the thing is, though, an awful lot of the challenge with this stuff, it's where the money sits, right? So when you're looking for sponsorship, you're approaching the marketing department, right? I've worked in marketing, so I know how these things work. And fundamentally, it's what you're talking about with something like data art is this, you know, trying to build a community. And, you know, marketing managers look at this and go, I just want to know how many leads I'm going to generate. 
how many email addresses are you going to give me at the event? How many foot, how much football fall will I have walking past my booth so that I can try and sell them something or hire them? And that's just how the spend of a marketing budget works. So, you know, if you come to me and say, I will give you this booth and this amount of stage time for 15 grand, and I will guarantee you 150 leads, my cost per lead is, and therefore I can justify that spend, right? It's really simple. The problem is what you're talking about is something that's longer term, more about building that community, building a whole ethos, hugely supportive of the people who want to do it. But why would Allstate or Kinos or, you know, all the other people who, you know, Liberty, all the other big little companies that have big marketing budgets, why would they spend it on that? That's, that'll be the problem is that you have to be able to put across the argument to them of what they get from it. Yeah. And that but the, then, but the other, sorry, but the other, the other side of it is the sheer volume of those amounts of groups that are wanting a piece of that marketing pie, yeah. you know, so like sort of pre-pandemic, you couldn't, you couldn't go out for a night in Belfast without walking into three different meetups, yeah. you know, and it, it's a lot easier to go to, you know, it's a lot easier for a marketing group to basically go, oh, right, data art, right, those two, those are two words that don't go together. But this Microsoft Excel user group, you know, I understand that, so <laughs> I can I, I can easily nobody will nobody nobody will question me whenever I put you know some money towards that as opposed to this thing which is is going to require a paragraph of explanation before any director. Yeah, I mean that that's the corollary to Austin's point where it it's the the easily identifiable paths to recruitment or community impact one way or another are the ones that get the most attention whenever that contributes to an ethos of siloization which i'm fairly certain isn't a word but should be where you end up with i mean even the old school user groups had this problem where and this was an issue maybe 10 plus years ago where you had hyper siloization where you had meetups that only the front end people went to and meetups that only the back end people went to of a particular language and never the twain shall meet you know you would never see a go person in the python meetup group or sorry user group the meetup groups started around about 2015 16 to break those silos down where they almost went a little bit cross-functional that was when it started to get really interesting where you had cybersecurity meetup groups front-end meetup groups accessibility meetup groups you still had your individual language user groups but then you ended up with like the the code cutters and the the functional programming group where it was slightly more meta and slightly more collaborative that's and this is a proper aisled one saying that was the golden age where it was proper crossover and that you were seeing different people, but it wasn't because it was new people coming in. It was, it was because you were going to different communities and cross-pollinating. We just about managed to bake that into the tech structure, tech into the Northern Ireland tech community infrastructure, whenever it then started to get weaponized, where you then had meetups that started to go back to being hyper-focused because that's what they had in their job specs and that's what they had in their tech stacks and that's what they had in their three-year plans. Again, I'm going to exempt AINI from this one just in case, but there was an awful lot of things where like every, there were at one point, I think there were four different Python user groups in Belfast or well, we'll widen up Northern Ireland or the Belfast, the Belfast metropolitan area. And they weren't driven by communities. They were driven by 
meetup.com user accounts that were linked to people in the recruitment roles of HR organizations and companies that was just completely invalidating the entire concept of a social professional network of, of, of practitioners. Now that COVID's basically wiped out the cadence for an awful lot of not just the old time organizers, but even the, the concept of new time, new, new potential organizers coming in, what they're seeing is, oh, we've got a Discord group on this one server that talks about programming languages every so often. Or I saw this meetup group on YouTube and I jumped into the comments and found somebody from wherever in the world. I mean, I'm not massively confident in the long-term community community connectedness of the Belfast tech scene, the Northern Ireland tech scene in general, because that transition to wind it all back from domain-specific user groups to that cross-functional, I think we may have lost it, and it's going to be difficult to bring that back. I think, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I think there's there's so many different factors in this as well. I mean, I kind of look at this, and again, I had a chat with some of the folks the, the, the folks in the team the other day, it's just like, look, at what point, even if it's legal, at what point are you going to be actually comfortable being responsible for putting 100 people into one room? And it's not going to be any time in the immediate future, no matter what Boris Johnson decides on whatever date it is in July. And, you know, Jess, you said that you, you're nervous about, you know, even yeah, I am. jobs. I get, I get you. I went out for dinner on Friday night and it was super weird, right? I enjoyed it, but uh, it still wasn't very. I didn't feel comfortable. It's still in right? the back of your mind. Yeah, it is, and that's you it. You don't know who you're in the room with. Exactly. Down, you exactly. don't know. Exactly, and it. I think that's the thing. Is it's one thing to be at a table where you're kind of socially distanced from everyone else, but it, again, I, I couldn't put on a meetup where we put 120 people into one of us. No. Right? Even if it was legal, I wouldn't yeah. want to do it. But again, equally, it, it's kind of crap doing it online. It's kind of crap doing it virtually. So it, we're at that. The way, that'll be that key question is how long will it be until you can't do it again? And in a sense, I mean, people will vote with their feet to use the age and cliche. And, you know, as you say, are people going to want to go to a meetup organized by a bunch of recruiters when they know that it's a meetup organized by a bunch of recruiters and they're really just going to get some free pizza and some beers and to meet some friends and then go to the pub afterwards? Because let's be honest, an awful lot of that isn't even about the content of the event. It's about bumping into a few people synchronously and then go and drink them with them afterwards. And that is a huge big part of it as well. It is the social element. And it's almost that. That's one of the things I find really interesting about the tech scene and how this is this works here, has worked for the last number of years, is you know, I came from the bio world where none of the shit existed at all, ever. <laughs> this is just not a thing. And I actually love the fact that you had these spaces where, yeah, sure, sometimes people were trying to freaking recruit you, but nobody gave a shit. You know, nobody was there to get recruited. They were there for free beer, meeting their mates and going drinking afterwards. And I thought it was great because it did build that community. But how long is it going to take for that to come back, regardless of the event, you know? Yeah, the other interesting thing as well, and this, again, circling back to the, one of the questions asked at the start, which is, you know, whenever we get back to normal, like the last... 15, 16, it could be 18 or 20 months by the time we're actually out of it. You know, we've we've kind of in some ways started to redefine what our definition of normal is as well. Like, you know, what, what we thought was acceptable and normal in March last year 
are people going to tolerate it anymore? Like, I, I mean, that, that's that's part one, which is, you know, looking at it from one side. The other way is is what Booster's talking about, which is we can, to a certain extent, this is a chance for us to reset, you know. So is this a chance for us now to those people who maybe were running their individual language groups or, you know, very, very specific, domain-specific things, is this the time for us to basically reach out to each other and go, right, what way do we want to come out of this? You know, do we want to have... Instead of having 12 groups, we'll have three, you know, yeah. where, you know, we're basically, we're collaborating a lot more, we're, we're doing a lot more sort of intersecting amongst each other, you know. Like, I, I think you're totally right. And I think part of that, and again, it kind of comes back to that question at the start of, you know, what will your routine be moving forward? And like, let's be honest, when you had the meetup things, again, as you said, you couldn't walk through time without bumping into three of them. But that's because everybody was in town all day, every day. Right. And so everyone was already there. You didn't have to go anywhere. But if we get to the point where I'll go into an office once a month, Andrew will go in twice a week, Simon, you'll go in five days a week. The chances of all of us being in town on the same day when there's an event on all of a sudden become astronomically small. So, you know, and, and you know yourself when you run evening events, if the weather got shit, you'd get half the numbers you normally would. Right. Because if it starts pissing rain, you just want to go home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if you think of this as almost a knock-on effect of that, of half the number of people who were possibly there in the first place now are in town, the half who don't show up because it's raining, and all of a sudden there's only five, ten people turning up to your event, you know? So if, if we actually, question, is it worth it? So if we can wind it back to a comment that you made earlier regarding the business case proposal for meetups and, and making the case to sponsorship partners of saying, I will give you X amount of leads on Y amount of events over Z amount of time. That's exactly the point where I personally have the, the fallover point of going, I don't like that approach of selling eyes because I can't guarantee them. And I shouldn't be guaranteeing them. And I shouldn't be promising them to anybody. That, frankly, for any sponsoring organizations out there who are interested, like I will not promise anything because I have had events where nobody shows up. Yeah. That's from a variety of factors. If you would like me to lie to you, that's an extra charge. But yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a really big challenge. And I really don't know how the overall tech community is going to be able to survive without a reason to come together in in sensible pods, right? Not just going, oh, let's get 150 people into Ormo Baths every month because that's not safe. In, in, in all of our discussions, that's not safe. Ironically enough, I had very little to do with this. I have to give full credit to Art Knight Farset, or another one of the trustees at Farset, who's basically over the course of lockdown pivoted Farset's approach to things from being event driven to being program driven and looking at going, okay, what we're going to do is a couple of small programs where it's a couple of small groups of people working on a couple of projects that come in, use the space, fuck around, leave. And that that becomes the connective tissue of this network that we're talking about. So instead of, also, as you said, like an awful lot of the and again, no offense, Jace, to your, your, your conference veteranage. An awful lot of the strength of meetups wasn't the content of the speakers, however well delivered, presented, or constructed. It was the social aspects. And 
during those meetups, you weren't going through every, or you weren't going through all 150 people. You were maybe grabbing a couple of people who you recognize from other things as being tangentially related to a subject that your side interested in, or, oh, the last time I saw him was at the, you know, the AI meetup where he was doing really cool workflow stuff and all that kind of shit. I mean, I'm hopeful that for the survival of at least Farset, that there's an opportunity there to transition from big events, big getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, to instead going for almost what the arts organizations have, which is suffer in silence in small groups for a while, and then ta-da, you've got the Tate Modern. And yeah. like that, I think might be an interesting thing to see how that applies into the tech world because again Simon going back to what you were saying where that interdisciplinary approach isn't really it's something that the community had to grow to and it's difficult to see how we how we as if we've got any fucking power it's difficult to see how it could be projected by any entity without turning around and saying, oh, by the way, I've got a budget for every beer and every pizza and every calzone and every, what was, what was Phil's go-to one of us, the, what do you call the hummus thing? Falafel. Uh, falafel, thank you. And every falafel on the planet that's going to fund every meetup in these five areas for the next 10 years, unless Belfast City Council or the city region deal or the NI executive or the Department of Communities or the Department of Education or the Department of Economy or the Department of Finance would turn around and say, yeah, okay, no, fair enough. We'll put a fund together for that. Fuck it, why not? It'll be a rounding error on the Barnett formula. But it doesn't exist. It all exists within organizations that have non-structural biases where it's, I'm going to hire you in a year and a half. It's not, I want to see the sector improve. Yeah. But I, th I think that, I think you're completely right. And I think, you know, that part of that problem is that, you know, even if we do get to the point where we can start doing meetups again in whatever format they are, as I said earlier, we were really lucky with AI and I, and that we never had a problem getting sponsorship, right? We, you know, we were doing stuff really frequently. There was a couple of people we called on. They're really nice. They gave us money. We bought beer. We bought pizza. Everybody had fun. I don't know if that's going to exist when we, sh if we, if and when we try to come back, right? It's like we but haven't done an event for a year and a half. Well, we haven't done a face-to-face -face event for a year and a half. If we decided to, it's like, Christ, do I have to look up the phone number of that person who used to give me money and contact me? Can we have some money again? At which point then- It's all right. Looking at the job market, they've probably moved on twice since then anyway, so- Exactly. But but even if they have, that's just the thing, even reaching out to the same companies, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the response is, oh, sorry, else we don't do that anymore. But you know? is is pizza and beer the model we want to get back to i mean that's the other question like i i, I use that merely as a an example of an no uh, but it, it, it's a fair example as well and i guess i guess what i'm thinking about is like in terms and sort of using the distinction that we had about user groups versus meetups like the most famous one i'm aware of in belfast i don't go terribly often but is blog you know which has no sponsorship mm -hmm. but it has it's deliberately existed as a way of sharing information amongst each other that even, even on those crap nights, people make an effort to go, you know, it's basically, I mean, it's, it's 
again, all sort of community organized as well. Like, yeah. What what content do we want to hear these days? And that's the next question. Yeah. Because I, so the start of this year, Ray's asked me to do a talk and it was the all encompassing lot one, you know, and I, I, and I suggested to them, let's just do data from start to finish. Let's just do data. And that's how the whole data is business, business is data thing sort of came about. It was just, I wanted to do a, a and, and the, the last few talks I'd done over here, NI, DevConf, Belltech, and Big Data Week, Big Data Belfast, sorry. All the same things were coming up. And it was, I'm sorry to go on, but yeah, it was, it was like, oh, we liked it when you talked about the club card. I was like, oh, shit, really? You like that stuff? Oh, yeah, it's really interesting. Right, okay. So I went back to the start and, and pulled out every slide deck that I'd done on that kind of thing, built a talk that I could reuse and reuse and reuse, but also improve on. And I mean, even in the first stretch, the talk lasted an hour. God knows how it lasted an hour, but it was right from the very start from paper-based stamp cards and how you can maximize those right the way through to ELO scores and then Tinder algorithms and, and all of, and then going on to machine learning. And it, it was more business focused than it was developer focused. That, that was the whole point. It was, I want this talk to be accessible to all so I can use it anywhere. That was, yeah, that's the reason I wanted to do it. And it's, it's kind of the first talk that I felt happy with in a long time because everything's been so narrow focused on tech, it's only going to probably appeal to 10% of the room. It's all very well me doing a, you know, doing a Kafka talk in Belfast. No one really is that interested because not that many people are using it. And like it's you say- only, It's Andy, already in six months anyway. That is the other problem. And I'm, you know, I'm being released by, replaced by a series of certified online LinkedIn courses along with, you know, whatever number of MOOCs are floating around at the time. I mean, yeah, it, it's, there are better ways to get the technical content, but just, I think you're on the right approach where it's experiential and it's how do you actually apply the technology towards a business purpose or professional purpose or personal purpose or whatever it is it's it's not hey ma look at my toolbox it's hey look at the shed that i built mm -hmm. i the original talks i did and and i think it was one of the things that kind of kind of put me aside was people were doing talks on specific technologies this is how it works we downloaded it from github we made this thing that's all very good that's very nice i was like we built this thing and I bled all over it. It went disastrously wrong for us, the client, everything. It was awful. Watch me suffer and then I'll show you how to put it back together again. You know, and that's basically every talk I've done in 10 years, you know. So, but this, this one talk was like, no, I've got to do this for everybody because it's a question that comes up and it comes up and up and up and up. And, and now it's, it's now transformed into something else where we start talking about data as startups and it's like okay so you want to be an ai startup where's the data coming from oh well we're going to collate it over the next uh it's going to take three or four years to get that i had that conversation today actually one of the funny things that comes into that is that and it, it, it honestly this this segue will lead back is all of the meetup groups seem to be defined 
by and conferences and I, I'm lumbering this all into one bucket fall into positive feedback loops look at the cool thing that I did isn't it so nice well done me and the company that employ me and the technology that I used and the way that I used it for everyone who's even played with machine learning systems only positive feedback is a definitely bad trajectory to try and have any kind of decision support system built on top of it just does not work the only way that even these grand data machines that we're building up work is whenever we have a combination of positive and negative feedback where you're able to say here's where I screwed up, here's where I tripped up, or even just as you said earlier, heckling of going, no, you're fucking wrong and here's why. Like that feedback is essential. And mm. as has been identified, that's really difficult to do in this grand remote scheme. So we're kind of stuck with the problem of, do we let meetups get big and, or continue to get big and positive even regardless of COVID positivity? shall we say, or do we maybe look at going more specialized? And then that cycles into the conversation of, do we go more specialized down to a domain level or down to an implementation level where we potentially end up back at the Python meetup land, for instance, whenever, you know, that's a definition of a language that gets used everywhere. I mean, on a, on a quick, and I'll give it a, four minute timer anyone have any additional thoughts on that sort of dichotomy the only other thought that i would that came up just as you were saying that is almost as we look at you know the way things have changed right where i think probably all of us have seen that you know working from home in this context ends up working more right possibly more hours but definitely no breaks or you know, there's no chats, there's no popping in, having a cup of coffee with somebody. It's just full on work all day. And as a result of that, when I get to six o'clock at night, I just want to stop. I don't want to listen to anything else really work-related. That's and, what I do. Yeah. That's, but, and that's that, been my discipline all this time. But that's my concern. Well, not concern, is that how, is there a possibility that what we'll get to is that everybody is just working harder consistently? I just doesn't want to do this shit anymore. I'm fortunate. I know, yeah, and, and COVID's taught me this. I'm really bloody fortunate. I love my job. Me too. You know, and, and it took me a long time to learn that up until last March, thinking remote working, got this in the bag. I'll, I'll cruise through this. Give me three months. I was depressed as hell thinking my, my brain is not used to this it's scrambled I can't go anywhere I can, and for everyone that was sort of oh my commute to work happens like this blah, 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 off I go to work I come back home again isn't it great I've been outdoors and all that I'm like I can't go out now what am I supposed to do I've just got to sit here and wait till tomorrow morning uh, because I would jump in the car and go out and go to the beach I didn't go swimming like everybody else did in your wetsuits and duck fat and all of that. Oh, wetsuit. Uh, How dare you? I just goose fat then. That's no. an image I didn't need. No, um, <laughs> no but for months, that was gone. For, you know, why don't you go for some exercise? No, I can't. I can't really do that properly. So, yeah, it was, it, it was a bigger strain. And then on, on the whole of it, I'm starting to hear about friends going, 
I've been furloughed. I've been made redundant. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. My family's got ill. My family's got really ill. We lost loved ones. And it's like, I have nothing to complain about. Mm. I am fortunate. I'm so fortunate. I'm so blessed. Uh, you know, and that and that was it for me. It was just like, right, okay, how can I start making a difference back? Where does where does legacy happen? And it's like the whole elder thing. And it's like, okay, so you guys seem to feel that I'm old and responsible, and and that's a responsibility. And Definitely not responsible, Jim. No one said responsible. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the thing. Just the whole. Yeah, but and and that and just at that time, the whole Open UK ambassador thing came up and it's like actually yeah I could, I, I'd like to make a difference here this this could be interesting and when it comes to AI ethics and data ethics and, and all that kind of yeah that's what I want to specialize in so that's that's sort of what I was talking about um, actually you know what this this is the first podcast since that happened and yeah. no one's going to have listened this far anyway you should say what the whole UK ambassador thing is I just have but <laughs> <laughs> So Open UK is is an organisation that supports open data, open source, open technologies, hardware, software, doesn't matter, for industry in the UK. Because we use a large amount of it, but we don't really shout it. So Open UK was set up quite a few years ago now to try and start steering uh, the conversation and the benefits of using open source also in on, on, a, on a policy level as well as an industrial level as well. So I'm one of the ambassadors. There's going to be 50 ambassadors for Open UK. I think there's about 37, 38 of us now. So it'll be the last tranche. And, you know, there's diverse backgrounds. There's most of the people I don't, there's a few people I do know, and a lot of people I don't know. There's that Kano shot from 2014 that I've managed to wheel out every time. Yeah, so it's it, it really interesting. Really interesting stuff going on at the minute. There's, there's events happening, some Wardley Map stuff coming up, and you can join the founders team and pledge money if you want to, which I do as well. I do support it. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening and it, it's it's going to be an interesting next 12 months. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff down the pipeline as well. So yeah, that's, and, and, and it was one of those things and, and I was talking to Amanda Brooke about it, his CEO. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just reaching that, that sort of milestone. What can I do to make a difference? This is what I'm really interested in. This is what concerns me about data going forward over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I want to get involved. Um, and it kind of worked out so that's i was just going to say on that that we've also got may chung is also belfast or northern ireland local at least who's also on the leadership team so she's cfo i think is the official title it was just there or chief of staff so i think that technically means that she's your boss but no it's it's good to see that kind of thing being fostered and continued on because and it it, it, it would be hard to find somebody better equipped to answer the call of telling people why they should be more open about their data. Oh, sorry, you're still talking about me. Oh, sometimes, only occasionally. No, you, you just get to complain about people wearing rings and delivering weather incorrectly. You know what? I have just kept away from all of that. <laughs> and you brought it up. So oh, no, no, right. So do we want to I, go strictly so I, I, no. I think, I think if we're going to play trigger keywords, mate, you can put a tenor into the charity of our choice, as long as it's not your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that charity has already got enough of my money. Thank you very much. If you'd but... like to support our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I, for, for a second there, I thought a bolster had an OnlyFans page, and I, I got really rude. <laughs> oh, no. If you'd, like, oh, if you'd like to support my OnlyFans page, then I could certainly arrange that. I would need some. What What was the phrase you used earlier, Chase? I, I would need some. Duck fat. I would need some customers first. Um, <laughs> so I, I I would be definitively customer and demand driven. Yes, I think we can all reasonably assume that that would actually be a relatively entertaining time to. End the recording and pretend that all of oh, this. No. Carry happened. on, carry on. People need to know more about this. Not <laughs> until I've had my proof of concept. Thank you very much. You leave your proof of concept out of this conversation. Thank you very much.